They got seventy more episodes coming, so that's the thing. They they try. They got see, like five more seasons, four more. They seasons. need to introduce some it, new characters. It's gonna go the <laughs> yeah. way of Aqua Teen Hunger Force for me. Yeah, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. I feel like is yeah. great for like the first four seasons, and yeah. then after that, bruh, it's just like Carl is trying to carry these motherfuckers across the goal line. <laughs> like, it's, it's, I agree with the, everything you're saying. <laughs> it's really like that no. to the point where they they did an offshoot because it's extreme absurdist cartoon. Yeah, and so they're coming at the same. They have the same hurdles. Same market. Same yeah. everything. It's Danzig, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, like, they, yeah. they like they, they so. tried to get Aqua Teen to, like, have more life because they pulled a side, like, short with Carl yeah. where yeah. he predicted the football games every weekend. Right. So, <laughs> right, I, right. like, I'm seeing it turn into that. Like, pretty right. soon but we're going to have Rick. At least I think Rick and Morty comes from a, at least a more structured place than yes. Aqua Teen. Yes. Yeah, they so. do. do they, you know, every episode has the hero's journey. They're, like, very serious about the arcs of the yeah. characters and – what happens and no offense it's a, it's or a, maybe some offense to the aqua teen dudes yeah. but i think they're not on the same level as dan oh, that Harman. show was disjointed and, as fuck, man. and like and the like there's the continuity like the choices like beth makes you know affects yeah. what happens in the show yeah and, and that so, you don't yeah. you barely have that with aqua teen. yeah so like there's an actual continuity. they'll do that for comedy in aqua so teen. yeah I'm, I'm excited to see the new season anyway, of Rick but and so, yeah. i've watched that scene they put out for season four it was hilarious okay of course I'll check it out. I mean, I'm always going to watch it. I like yeah. cool, absurdist cartoons like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, begin podcast in your ears once again. Uh, I'm Catalyst. I'm always in here hosting, and I'm hanging out with the crew. Um, today, we're going to talk about some Quentin Tarantino things, um, and I got the crew with me. Next, I got... Laser Beam. Uh, the laser is silent. <laughs> what? Does, so you just beam? Just okay. beam? No, I'm... It's if you write oh, it you out. You gotta it's, say it. It's, you gotta say it. It's yeah. just silent. Okay, yeah, laser, I get it. It's, it's like Tribe Call Quest. It's like pterodactyl. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The P. You saying the P when you say pterodactyl? Yeah. You don't say pterodactyl though. I get it. I get you. I should have said the D is silent. The D in laser beam. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's not one of those, but yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that's different. That's different. Uh, oh, what's man. up? You got your boy Double Black coming at you. We're getting into this new Tarantino film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And we're going to break down a bunch of Tarantino-esque type stuff, you know, on this episode of the Begin Podcast, coming at your earlobes and your eardrums and all in your ear area. Yeah. So most specifically today, we're going to be talking about Quentin Tarantino's newest film, uh, what he calls the the ninth film in his collection. Yeah, he calls it the ninth, it's, but it's, it's really the tenth. tenth. Yeah, Kill yeah. Bill 1 and 2 are two different films. Don't at me. Don't message me that that's how it is that's what yeah. it is um, if we get into a twitter war with Quentin tarantino yeah fantastic fantastic so like, he can at me. <laughs> people i'm talking know. about the rest of y'all yeah, don't yeah, at me yeah, quentin yeah, tarantino yeah. you at me yeah. you message me you do all of those things i don't but think all of you quentin other, tarantino's on twitter yeah he, he might be yeah, 
he it's not him, but his face is on Twitter. Okay, I'll talk I to his Twitter face. Okay, that's all day. He got ten movies, <laughs> so he has ten films. Um, I don't care what he And says. where we're also gonna give our star screams and SJs on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but uh, on top of that, we're gonna list. Uh, the movies in order. All of us. We're going to tell you how we feel about every movie in order. Um, I'm going to leave out one because I have only not seen one Quentin Tarantino movie. Um, but, yeah, uh, I can't wait to get it started because uh, he's an interesting director. Um, so I'm actually going to leave this one to Double Black and Laser Beam as far as the synopsis because, uh, you know, it's yeah. not my favorite movie. <laughs> All right. So, uh, quick synopsis. It's uh, basically this movie is his. You know, everyone's said it a billion times. It's his love letter to Hollywood. It's his homage to old Hollywood. Uh, Quentin Tarantino, besides the first few years of his life, he's mainly just lived in uh, Hollywood. Uh, he was like six or seven living in L.A. when these events happened, and so and he's always been the guy who is enamored with filmmaking, the old style of filmmaking. He still shoots on film. He uses pretty much all practical effects. Um, he uses real cars to jump over real things and real cars to hit real stuff. Um, Two things about that. Doesn't he... So he shoots on real film, but he, like, superimposes it digitally after that? Like he I don't does, think I, so. I, like, if you watch the credits for this film, there's, like, one digital artist getting one credit. Oh, wow. Okay. It's crazy. Uh, it's, it's, like, nuts. you know, I when you watch, like, you know, something <clears throat> like The Avengers or, like, I just watched Hobbs and Shaw, like, two-thirds of the credits are digital artists yeah, in like, digital production yeah, yeah, yeah. houses. It was like one dude was like rotoscope or something like that. I know that because, you know, as a film guy, I stay and watch credits because I want to know more information about how the film is made and yeah. who, who helped put the film together. The deep so I always watch the credits, even though people always be like, let's go. I got to go bathroom. I'm like, no, I'm watching these credits. Okay. Respect right. a well, lot of people. Respect them. The yeah. other thing, too, is that's gotten him in a lot of trouble in his career is the yeah. car scenes. Um, yep. He's hurt a lot of his actors and Dangerous. actresses. Yeah. Like Uma Thurman got yeah. hurt. Yeah. yeah. That's why she's like, questioning doing Kill Bill 3. Yeah. But her daughter was in this film. She showed up as one of the hippies. Uh, Maya... Hawk. Yeah, yeah. Maya. Uh, I picture. didn't know that. Yeah. I yeah. didn't know that. Her name should be Maya. Yeah, yeah. She's one of the... She's one of the... She's one of the hippies. <laughs> she's one of the hippie chicks. You know. That, that are up at the, the Manson Ranch thing. Oh, she, yeah, yeah. My, I, mean, my, I, I know who you're talking about, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I just... She, I didn't know that was, was Uma Thurman's daughter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, she's, her career's blown up. She was just in Stranger she's Things. She's Scoops Ahoy. She's in Scoops Ahoy. Well, if you don't know what we're talking about, watch our Stranger, listen to our Stranger Things episode. Yeah. We just put it up like two weeks ago. Check it out. But she's Scoops she Ahoy. She plays Robin in, uh, in the Scoops Stranger Ahoy Things, season three. And she works at a place called Scoops Ahoy. Yeah, so anyway, uh, so this movie is his love letter to Hollywood, and it's basically a fictitious, uh, you know, he dips back into his fictitious retellings of history where it's based on history, but then it kind of goes into this tarantino s verse. And then, um, so it's about this guy, Leonardo DiCaprio plays named Rick Dalton, who is, uh, he's played cowboys and, and sort of like uh, uh, leading men for, on TV shows for about 10 or 15 years. Um, and he's in the twilight of his career. He feels he's like he's low, bu low budget Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. He's low aging. Low budget he's, Clint Eastwood. He's aging and he's kind of not changing with the times. This is a time where. Uh, leading men started to become people like Al Pacino, like the skinnier, uh, sort of like more urban looking hero uh, or anti-hero. And it was going away from the like the guy in white hat shoots the guy in the black hat and the guy in the white hat is blonde and blue eyes and really pretty. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, but you said like a low budget Clint Eastwood. And so it's about his sort of life and his, 
it's his star is fading and he's got his buddy with him cliff booth who is his stunt man and sort of like his his best friend and like his helper around the house does everything for him and he's played by brad pitt and it's about their sort of like trials and tribulations, and there's not much of a narrative. Are they friends, arc. or are they just like they gotta work together? That's they're the whole point. Like, yeah. I got the like I got the idea that like they kind of it's a not weird really relationship. Friends, like yeah. they're only friends when they're making money and shit's yeah. successful. Like yeah. if they're not like like they don't actually care about each other. And uh, like, that's more like maybe Caprio doesn't care about him, but like yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. Caprio, yeah, yeah, Pitt yeah. totally cares yeah. about DiCaprio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, well, a, it's, I mean, a, it's a one-way street. It's not a two-way relationship. They've been together for like nine years, and you know they describe their relationship as, or someone does, is more than a brother but less than a wife. So I mean, I think they really care about each other, and it comes through um, that you know DiCaprio tries to get him on that film, even though there's a scene in the movie. Again, we're kind of skipping ahead, but there's a scene in the movie where. Uh, Brad Pitt's character is not well liked on a lot of Hollywood sets because he apparently he's like kind of like an OJ type dude he got away with killing his wife and so a lot of people don't like him and they don't want him working on the sets of certain films and movies and TV shows and so Leonardo DiCaprio goes to bat for his friend he tries to push him through to at least get some work on the Green Hornet and uh, but then DiCaprio or not DiCaprio Brad Pitt's character Cliff Booth has a fight with Bruce Lee Bruce Lee was the basically the main star of Green Hornet and during that fight you know he quote unquote beats up Bruce Lee some people say it <laughs> is some people says he doesn't that was a good scene. but um, you know shout out to Zoe Bell she plays the stunt coordinator who or actually she's not the stunt coordinator uh, Kurt Russell's stunt coordinator she, he's married to Zoe Bell Zoe Bell is the uh, like makeup or set designer she's the set decorator um, and she gets really upset and she doesn't like Brad Pitt because he killed his wife and got away with it. And she sees him beating up Bruce Lee. Gets him thrown off of that film set. And so his character, Brad Pitt's character, Cliff Booth, can't get any work. And so Leonardo DiCaprio does try. And so to me, that means that he was more than just a friend. Him. He was actually trying to help him out and you know, whenever he could because of the scenes that happened. Um, and so, But anyway, just <clears throat> well, in that yeah. synopsis, you kind of get what but the film is about. He's it's, the one that sends him away, though, right? He's like, he's like, yo, you can't do this no more. And like... Well, he's like, I don't have the money to he support him. He doesn't have anymore. some money to support. Okay, he goes, again, skipping ahead, but he goes to Italy to make three spaghetti westerns like a lot of these guys did in the 60s when they were kind of finding that their star was fading in Hollywood and things were changing. Much like Clint Eastwood, he went and made three spaghetti westerns uh, plus like a, you know, uh, a spaghetti, a spy, spy, a spaghetti yeah. spy movie. Um, and he made a lot of money during that movie, during that time in his career for six months. But they said he spent a lot of money on the apartment. Plus, he married this Italian actress, and she was going to require a lot of money to keep up, you know, appearances. And so he's like, "I just can't afford you anymore, Cliff." And so that the final scene in the movie is like their last hurrah, their last time to hang out and get drunk and party together. And he's just like, "We got to part ways because I just can't afford you anymore." But okay, maybe I'm remembering yeah. wrong. But yeah, that 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 happened. I thought they like when he went to the commune, the hippie commune. He mm-hmm. wasn't working with him at that point, right? Like yeah. they had a separation before that. Well, no, no. No, he was he went to he went to go fix something at his house and he was driving back to like pick him up and then he, he saw the hippie girl again and he was like Brad a lot of this movie is Brad Pitt driving around. Right, right, right. And Leonardo DiCaprio's but, car because Leonardo DiCaprio is an alcoholic and has yes. had a bunch of DUIs and so he can't drive so his friend Cliff Booth played by Brad Pitt picks him up and drives, drives him, him around. Yeah. And so and as a bonus he's like when he's working 
when Leonardo DiCaprio's character is working, Brad Pitt gets to drive the car around. Just has free reign with the car. With the car, and, and, and so and he was he running errands, and he saw the hippie girl. girl. And there, she, this is the they third have, time he's yeah, seen yeah, yeah, her. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. yeah. And, and so, so he just happens to take her all the way back to her her commune where she lives. Yeah. And gets to a, a little adventure thing there, but. He's working for. He's still working for Brad. Brad uh, for, yeah, he's for still working for Brad. Rick Dalton. Leonardo, 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 Leonardo. Yeah, yeah he's so, still working for him. Yeah, yeah. He's just yeah. like you know, he's just movies take a long. T- you know, he knew he was going to be busy for twelve hours, and he was like, I don't, I'm not going to be working for twelve hours. So he was driving around, running errands. He saw mm-hmm. the girl, picked her up, and so anyway. Yeah, I, I was under the impression he caused the problem on set. No, no. Oh, see, that's the. That's, yeah, there's a scene where he causes uh, the problem on set. And he's Leonardo talking about the, the Bruce Lee. Uh, essentially, it's that's a flashback. That's a flashback. Oh. They mix in flashbacks very yeah. Like I, I like I, that's that's one of my biggest issues. Is seamlessly, I, 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 I can't tell the difference. He's on the top. He, yeah, you really Quentin can't Tarantino tell the difference. Has like a big thing with like these flash pan sequences where yeah, he'll yeah. like put his face on someone and go <laughs> and it's like right on another person and it's supposed to be a flashback, but he doesn't indicate that. Yeah. Well, he indicates it in a different way than most modern American cinema audiences. When you do a flashback in most cinema, it's supposed to be black and white. It's supposed to be dream. Or slow motion. There are all these visual cues. Some some audio cues. And I'm going to go off on it right now, but Quentin Tarantino is like, fuck that. Pay attention. That's his thing. I, I, I paid attention, dog. Said, but he says that. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not attention. saying you you not you didn't, but like <laughs> he's he said that in like interviews or like that kind of tone of just yeah, like the, yeah. you know I'm not going to spoon feed it to you. But if they finish so, shooting, so if I remember it correctly, they finish shooting a shot, mm-hmm. and then it's supposed to be this flashback that y'all talking about, and the same two people who like exchange places in the shot mm-hmm. are talking about how they can't work together anymore. So that can be confusing to a viewer. No, no, no. I was confused for a hot second watching the movie. Yeah, like then I was like, like, okay, I see what he did. Well, because it starts with Brad Pitt remembering what Leonardo DiCaprio told him ten minutes ago, which is like, they can't, we can't hire you on this because Zoe Bell's character is on this film and she hates you. And then he's remembering that as he's getting ready to fix the antenna, and then he starts to remember why does she hate me? And it's like, oh. Cause got away with killing you. Cause I got away with killing my wife, and I which is another Bruce flashback. Lee. They show his wife. There, yeah, there's, thing there's a, on the there's a flashback, flashback on top flashback. of a flashback. Yes. Yes. Like, exactly. like that. That. Yeah. It, how is that that's not brilliant? F- that's brilliant that's filmmaking nuts. to me. Because you have to pay I like attention it. to I, what's I happening. I you have to pay attention. I like it. You have to pay attention <laughs> like to what's happening. Bro. He's that's not spoon feeding it to you. He's not giving you all these normal visual but cues so of like black and white or like no. That is not the same time. He doesn't. He doesn't do anything like make it black and white. He doesn't do anything like make it a different kind of like scenery or anything like that. There are two sequential scenes where he actually fucks up. Like he fucks up on set, and he didn't know that they knew it. And he's like, "Well, I gotta let you go, man." Like, come on. Well, he had just forgotten about him, so he's like, "Why don't they hate? Why do they hate me?" He was like remembering the event that that led to him being kicked off. And yes, and like I I get all of that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And I made those connections further throughout the film. You know what I'm saying? It's a two hour and forty minute movie. So like, like. Yeah. Like I'm talking about when you see that, like mm. when you see that on screen, like that says a whole lot of stuff to you that it doesn't mean to say. Yeah. And so like this is art, you know what I'm saying? This is why people interpret art differently. This yeah. is why people That's have really like true. their opinions on it That's and stuff really like true. that. Yeah. So for me, like it, like I was like, oh shit, like this, he not even working with him no more. He been fucking up uh, on the scene. Uh, so that that, that, so that like, skewed your whole viewing of the, of film. the film. You know, yeah, what I'm or a so big like, part of I it. I didn't even think. Yeah. I thought they got back together, together. for one last hurrah See? at yeah. the end of the movie yeah. as like a group. And then no, after yeah. that, he was like, yo, you know, like we so, friends yeah. again. Like you know, like the thing with Bruce Lee happened like eight months, maybe two years ago. 
and yeah. it's a it's a flashback and I just know that going into a Quentin Tarantino movie, he's going to fuck with time. Time, yeah. Because all his, like, Pulp Fiction, a lot of his movies are told but, unsequentially. But you understand, like, what happened. Like, Pulp Fiction, there's flashbacks and stuff, but they're, like, distinct. Like, he cuts yeah. the scenes. He cuts And they it, go yeah. back, and it's like. This is more like, seamless. Actually, most of them are black this, and white. Yeah. Or, like, they have, yeah. like, they, there's or indications. Yeah, yeah, Kill Bill. All the flashbacks and Kill Bill. Like, either the character says, this is what happened. And they cut into that. Or, like, yeah. like they didn't say none of that. They end the scene. And then you go into I think this another is him. And again, they don't even they don't even explain. This is in, in my opinion. I was uh, no. We, let's get into this right now because as I was watching the movie, I was thinking very much this. I was like, whoa, he is upgrading in his own criteria of film. Like this, this is very different from Pulp Fiction, which is twenty five years ago, or Kill Bill, which is thir- sixteen years oh, ago. almost fifteen years ago. Yeah, yeah fifteen years ago exactly. Uh, uh, Two thousand three, that movie came out. So yeah, yeah, yeah sixteen so, years ago. So he's like challenging himself, and then, and then by proxy, the audience to like you just got to keep up with him. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a, or not. So no, it's it's a great it's thing. A thing. It's a great thing. Yeah, I agree with Double Black as a, as it's a great thing. Yeah, but your audience, you got to understand, like as you trying to go faster, dog. You know what I'm saying? I hear uh, you. The the society's trying to go slower. Yeah, I and hear you. So every other movie you've seen this year, right? Yeah. They wouldn't even try and do nothing like that. that uh-huh. That's that innovative. They wouldn't even try and go to that level. So when I was watching the movie, I'm thinking, okay, cool, or whatever. And like I said, I connected the dots, right. like, closer yeah. to the end or whatever. Yeah. Like, when the last sequence was, like, when they shook hands in the last sequence, I was like, well, why are they so friendly if they haven't seen each other in forever? And they not, you know what I'm saying? And then I just, I figured it out. Oh, okay. Um, but, like, it, it's not overt. Like, no, and I'll tell not. you that because the the person I went to see it with, I had a conversation with after the film mm-hmm. about it being like, like the movie didn't make. Well, anything. I think for me it was more natural because it's like how a human yeah, actually, actually remembers. Yeah. It's how your memory actually works. If someone's just like, "No, nah, we can't hire you because you fucked up," and then you don't, you're like, you were, when, "When did I fuck up?" You don't remember in black and white, do you? You nah. don't, rem- and you don't remember it sequentially. You're like, "Oh, right, they don't like me because uh, I killed my wife." And they don't like me because of this. I fucked and up a, on scene. And those things may <laughs> may mash together. And so, like, you know, and it was to me it was more organic than, like, you know, I've been watching movies for a long, long time now. And I get it, the whole, like, you know, there are visual cues built into the American narrative of just, like, black and white, grainy film. Absolutely. But if, the, if it's about telling the wavy. story as coherently as possible, like we was talking about, you know, yeah. previous episode, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, that matters. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Well, I, that absolutely matters. I think you, like, you our, do our, it in Artistic the... aesthetic has to balance itself yeah. well with presenting the story. Mm-hmm. You feel yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, I didn't get that from that. Right. No, so, I mean, that, that's, that's really good. I'm glad we got that. I'm glad we got it or recorded because I think that's a really good sort of unpacking of what this film is and what it yeah. represents to different people and uh, how it comes across to different people and how it lands on different people. I mean, I went into this film knowing Quentin Tarantino is going to do something different. This is not going to be my typical narrative, like either with time or with storytelling or the historical elements of the story. Something's going to be different. So I was expecting something to be different. And so like I was like hyper paying attention. Like right. every detail, I was like, okay, so this means this, this means that, that this fits in this together. And I just think if you're going to watch someone like Quentin Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino is like the last great like Hollywood type filmmaker like that, in my opinion. Like a lot of these other people, no, you know, no disrespect, but he makes films in a certain way that requires you to like 
be hundred percent there. But I don't oh, think yeah. all of his films do. No, like he 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 chooses when that's the case. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Kill Bill is a perfect example. Kill Bill, Kill Bill was like nothing but uh, unadulterated like violence. There was a story to it and stuff like that. But like it's it's homage to like those old kung fu flicks and like stuff like that. Yeah. You know, um, and, and like, this is an homage to old it. Hollywood stuff. You know, so like, but he, you don't you have know. to sit there and pay attention to stuff that's happening in the background when old girl is spinning the mace on the chain. That's you true. Know what I'm well, like, like I mean, if you watch old Hollywood films, they are made more like Quentin Tarantino's movies. Yes, like yes, movies yes. from like the fifties and the sixties. They're made more in a slower pace and in a style. You know, if you watch, uh, this is almost like a Jim Jarmusch movie, as close as of the people who currently make films, but. You know, uh, I can't think of the guy's names right now off the top of my head, but th- there are a bunch of French New Wave kind of filmmakers that um, came out in the 60s and 70s, and this is kind of an homage to those guys, um, that those kinds of filmmakers. Uh, and so if I was going to watch, when I watch those guys' films, and I have, I have to be paying attention. Like, you have to be, like, every little detail, and you can't, like, be half engaged. Like, when you watch, when I watch Hobbs and Shaw, I'm like, Okay, I can eat popcorn for ten minutes, go pee, be on my phone for five minutes, and not miss anything. <laughs> Two-hour-long music video. You just so, you're like you're proving my point. And so, like that's my point. <laughs> but like, I, you can't do that with a Quentin Tarantino movie, even though you might think it's boring and there's not a lot of interesting stuff happening because the way he chooses to tell the story um, is very intricately woven. I guess like if you don't pay attention and you're watching the movie, you might be really bored and you might not pay attention to the fact of the scene where Leonardo DiCaprio talks to that little girl and that little oh, that, yes, that the little is, you're talking about the little girl after he acts and she's scene. like that's the best acting yeah. I know before, yeah, the, before, no, before that, before that. Okay. you know but she's like the most interesting she's one of the most interesting characters in but the that's film. the girl that's but the girl yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah yeah I know what scene but like is. if you don't pay atten- if you're not paying attention you may miss that entire you'll be like this movie's boring I'm going to the bathroom you may miss that whole entire interaction because you were bored and you weren't paying attention um, and so, but it's the intricate sort of detail oriented storytelling that he does. And it's, you know, it's just the movie or the, the film is a day in a life or like, you know, a year in the life of this guy, uh, uh, Richard Dalton and his partner, Cliff Booth, and like what they go through um, in that year of fading Hollywood and their waning stardom um, with the backdrop of the Manson murders happening uh, with Sharon Tate. And what he does is he does his alternate sort of reality thing again you know and in glorious bastards he has uh you know brad pitt or not brad pitt but uh his two of the soldiers who work for brad pitt kill hitler you know that's not how it really went in real life and in this alternate version the people who break in to kill uh sharon tate because richard richard dalton Leonardo DiCaprio's character lives right next to sharon tate they decide to break into his house first and kill him um but they run into cliff booth who is, you know, real man's man. He yeah, has he his tough dog. Everybody so yeah. the, he fucks two of them up pretty badly, him and his dog, uh, and kills basically kills them. And then Leonardo DiCaprio, who has, it's a callback, he has a flamethrower from this Nazi movie he shot earlier, like five years ago, which is pretty famous. Um, and then he shoots uh, and burns the last woman in this swimming pool, who's one of the Manson killers with a flamethrower, and it's a pretty awesome scene. So uh, it's it's this film that's just kind of like and done in the expository sort of filmmaking style which is there's no real strong narrative there's no like we have to there's no MacGuffin there's like we don't ha- we have to get this thing and move this to here there's no yeah. like we have to raise money to save the church there's no like you know we have it's to it's life 
yeah we yeah it's just the life of these guys and so it's more show don't tell and so you have to kind of be along for the ride but it's intricately woven there's a lot of scenes of margot robbie playing sharon tate and her character exploring hollywood and she's sort of like this new kind of like ray of light that comes into the story into hollywood of this character who's just like you know happy and energetic she's and, a muse um, that's the worst part of the movie to me. she's a muse worst and, part so, of the movie to me. and so she's more uh she's to juxtapose <laughs> she's the young bright light coming into hollywood as opposed to, to their the, fading, their fading star. stars I and get so it, I get you know and sure, so sure. i really enjoyed that juxtaposition and sort of like looking at that um and it's an interesting sort of like what if sharon tate had lived and not been killed uh by the manson family and so that's kind of what the movie is about yeah. uh in a synopsis uh so since. Sorry, I just um, no. You say that you your, your face. What'd you say? You say that. I'm sorry. I was just thinking of the film, and I'm thinking of so I will just just to go off a tangent a bit of what you're talking about. We're still talking about the film, but like Quentin Tarantino's fetish is really starting to bother me. Yeah, he does have a foot fetish. He, he has, has a foot fetish in real life. Oh, yeah. oh, it's and, mad feet in this movie, son. And I mean, if you go back feet to on Kill the dashboard, Bill. Yeah. feet on the window, yeah. feet everywhere. It's just feet. I told my girl Women's that feet. during the movie. Women's I was feet. like, yo, it's just like this, like. I think he's leaning fetish. into it. I think, I think he, he's essentially he's leaning into everybody's it. critique of him of like because essentially people like me and uh, like more you know on on, on YouTube uh, critics and stuff are like, yo, calm down with the feet, and he's like. Hell no. Exactly. Like, you I haven't like met feet. a foot dude. Yeah. And this is how a foot dude is. Yeah. They're the most aggressive fetish people I've ever met. Yeah. They're it's like, not they, like at the end of the day, I'd rather yeah. you be about feet than oh, sure. some other shit. You sure. Know? Like, you sure, know. it's not as gross. That's why it's exactly. Feet is fine. Yo, yo. Exactly, because it doesn't bother, it don't bother other, everybody else. It's like, whatever. It doesn't hurt like, nobody. It doesn't hurt. It, doesn't it hurt bothers nobody. me. Yeah. It but, bothers me, but it, but don't, it don't hurt, hurt nobody. Yeah, nigga. You exactly. feel weird feet. It doesn't bother me. It's yeah. like, it's whatever people want to be as long as they're yeah. not hurting people. Don't yeah. hurt and nobody. Being, and being consensual. So it's just, it's, so it's just, uh, it's just weird and it's just, it's very aggressive, uh, pass, mm, passive aggressive. Like he just no, has it's the, aggressive, aggressive. Yeah, it's aggressive, aggressive. It's a lot of feet because yeah, they're all like, dirty. They're you dirty, might, and that's what foot guys might like. as well yeah. be a yeah. podiatrist. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> exactly. starting with, I mean, at least kill bills. When I first noticed it, when he has yeah, the wiggle your big toe. She's in the. Oh, she's no, in isn't the every one of his? She's like, in the truck, and it's only female characters. It's like it's only female characters. Yeah, Pulp Fiction. I think Uma Thurman's feet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's his fetish. It's his fetish. Like if he was focusing on a dude's foot, it'd be gay for him. Marcellus Wiley scene from yeah, Pulp Fiction. Foot on It's no feet in there. Exactly. Yeah. Like you don't see his feet. He talks about. Would you like a foot? Ever see it? Because that he's not. He's not Quentin Tarantino yet. He's not Quentin. Exactly. And would you foot massage to do? Yeah, that's him. That's him coming off the page. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like that's all, like in Glorious Bastards, so put put on the shoe thing, um, but yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Glorious it's just, Bastards. It's just when them. like I didn't even think about that with the shoe. And also oh a death proof, you yeah. know, there's death proof. Death proof. Yeah, she's oh, her foot yeah. gets chopped her off. Feet, yeah, her feet yeah. are out the window of the car. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he has a massive foot fetish right. for, with, um, yes. and I think he's just leaning into he's it really hard. He's it. just like, yeah. I'm not gonna run away from this. I'm gonna lean into it. Here's some extra dirty feet for you. It's yeah, an extra it was dirty something you had to be ashamed of. He might because like one, like, one of the things I one of the, the things day, I saw a that man. was interesting was yeah. like why is Sharon Tate's feet dirty? She was wearing boots right exactly. before she walks into the theater. She was wearing boots. She, she takes her boots her off. Big Hollywood house wearing boots. Her feet aren't dirty yeah. in real life. <laughs> but then when she puts her feet up on the the they're the, dirty. They're dirty. Yeah. The Sharon so, Tate scenes. Yeah. yeah. So I mean I didn't I mean they weren't like oh my god blowing my mind. Those were half of the scenes where I don't need to be here. 
you know, I thought they were interesting, uh, sort of. I think it's his homage because he essentially, I think it's and obviously how the film, the movie played out. Uh, he likes Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate. He he like he fantasizes their relationship, even though there's some talk about their relationship wasn't that healthy or good. No, in by real no life. means it was. You know, so like the the fact that he's romanticizing it and making like they're just these two people in love, these two uh, like uh, silly pixie Hollywood people, right? Uh, you know, but Roman Polanski was never that guy. So, I mean, I mean, it's hard yeah. to say. I mean, that's yeah. the whole point of the movie is I like, I wasn't alive, what what would happen I if me <laughs> Sharon Tate hadn't died? Would Roman Cord Polanski gone? Could, would, would, would Roman Polanski gone down that sure. road um, of you know becoming a pedophile if he hadn't uh, if Sharon, Sharon Tate hadn't, 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 hadn't died? Murdered, yeah. And so like this movie kind of scratches that what if like you know so you're kind of like thinking like well what if this what if that um, and I think that's what Quentin Tarantino set out to do. That's what he wanted to do. That's what he found interesting and compelling in the storytelling is kind of like this what if scenario. But, you know, but mainly about Rick Dalton and uh, Clint, and Clint Booth. Booth. And so, um, you know, uh, the Manson family are kind of just like the backdrop for everything. Uh, but, you know, he he's, a, in my opinion, he's still a great filmmaker. It's, it's a really good film. It's long. It's really... Um, it's, it's awesome. I just want to hit you guys with two things. Do it. Okay. Uh, uh, the uh, Cliff's Booth's like day and Rick Dalton's day. So like Rick Dalton, because I when I'm before I'm watching this movie, I'm used to like I've seen all his movies multiple times. So he's used to like does he used to do the standard uh, character even with his different uh, time jumps and everything. He would do the standard film of Act One, Act Two, Act Three, and like. Even MacGuffins, like he had a MacGuffin in, in Pulp Fiction of the briefcase, go watch. you know, yeah. and, the, and go yeah. watch, and all mm-hmm. those things, yeah, you know. So like, um, he went traditional, and like Kill Bill is a revenge story, and it's like blah 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 blah, yeah. you know. So Kill Bill was easy for him, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, like it's great, but like, yeah. That, that's, so that's this movie, good. like, it's just like so. It's like I was waiting for something like that to happen, and then by the time when Rick Dalton is just talking to the girl, I was like, oh, is this is not that kind of movie no. at all? Yeah, and so, but I then I jumped into what it was or what it is. And essentially, it's like it's just the day of his like shooting, like you know, just you know, talking to this uh, actress, uh, child actress, and then like doing his scenes and fucking up and then getting mad at himself in his trailer and coming out and then crushing it, you know. Um, and then uh, Cliff Booth just hanging around, driving around Hollywood, uh, picking up hippies. You know, his whole scenes with the hippie girl were interesting to me. Um, Those were some of the best scenes and in the movie. And then when he goes to the, you know, hippie commune. The Span Ranch. The Span oh, yeah, ranch. the ranch. And deals like, with the, Mar- the Manson. Yeah. And Charlie Manson's never there, which is good. I like that. Yeah, um, I mean... The you know. thing that really, for me, is the Fight glue that keeps this movie together is it's two of the best actors in Hollywood, uh, Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio, um, and Margot Robbie, the three of the best actors in Hollywood, doing some of the best acting I've seen in a long time, um, particularly with Brad Pitt and, uh, and, and Leonardo DiCaprio. Like his, the ability to, he's an actor playing an actor who is fucking up in a scene and has a stutter. And so he goes from, like, acting, you know, just playing the character and then to the character playing another character and then the character fucking up and then having his stutter come out and then having to, like, un, you know, yeah. figure his way out of that and then get his shit together, like, all in a span of, like, 20 minutes. And it was, I think that was I like one that of my favorite play. parts of the movie yeah. um, is that uh, you watch these people who are actually actors yeah. have yeah. to act yeah. like yeah. actors. Yeah. And so... 
what I pulled from the movie is that like that's my favorite thing about it is like everybody who acted in this film at least that was an actor and all you know yeah. all that stuff like the the Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio like performances like even though I didn't like Rick Dalton that much like mm-hmm. bro it's an actor yeah acting like he acts like yeah. it would be me doing rap karaoke but you like yo he he didn't sound like Biggie, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, and that's crazy, man. Like, to to me, like, to be able to know your craft so well that you can act like someone acts, like, yeah, that's no, like that that scene where he is like, act, he's an actor acting. All all the scenes, all the scenes, like that that scene, even to act like an actor outside of the the getting mad at himself, going into the trail like Laser Beam said. Like to me, that was like amazing, amazing acting. I was just like, wow. And you could tell they really... they've done those things it's so before. Layered. He's like, I'm not drinking. You had to have nine whiskey sours. Whatever. So you had nine. nine? He said, Come you, on, you, man. Come like, on, man. You better than that. You better than that. You could have three. In this scene, I'm gonna blow your goddamn. And like, yo, I lost. You know how many times I've been, yo. This is probably the most candid moment of the begin podcast. You know how many times I've been standing on the side of the stage and I'd be like, damn. Damn, did you have to take that many shots, shots before you got to yeah, go rap this fast ass yeah, verse? You had to. Do you? Do, I had to do that. Yeah. And then I get up that's there, I rap the verse, and people are like, "Yo, that shit was fire, son." Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so it resonates. Like, that's why it, it resonates. Yeah. And it so like the, the biggest thing for this movie, which made it redeemable, because I, I thought it was overly long, mm-hmm. overly you know, yeah. it, it was just overly indulgent. Like Quentin Tarantino just knows yeah. he can make movies, and he yeah. he, he jerking himself off at this point. But yeah. like. That kind of thing, like the, yeah. the 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 realistic portrayal of being an artist, and for yeah. artists to portray being an artist, mm-hmm. like bro, yeah, it, that's big. No, he he did his thing, uh, like Leonardo DiCaprio's acting, and then on top of that, Brad Pitt's acting. When he goes to the Span Ranch, there's always this sense of dread, but there's this sense with, that like yeah. Cliff can Cliff. handle it. Yeah, like, yeah. No, they never let this, it get too too scary. Because that's the thing in real they life, ride, you know these these Manson hippies. Or a bunch of murderers. And yeah. Like, all right. They uh, we'll when he's walking to the bedroom right. to see if his old friend right. is still alive. Like, yeah, the tension that's the there. The tension is there. I was yeah. just like, you know, I forgot. Like, this is a guy who made Inglorious Bastards, where it's a scene where, you and know, Hans Lander is talking to the, the you know, yeah. guy about hiding Jews and they're in the floorboards. And that scene is so intense. Like, he can do tension. But that scene is so tense. But at the same time, Brad Pitt is so on top of his game that you're like, I feel like. I feel his confidence. I'm just like, no matter what happens, he's gonna be okay. Yeah. In this in this situation, because and he's he a bunch of dirty. That, he proved that to this you when he comes back me. out. Yeah, I he love proved it. That exactly. To you. Yeah. This, this ain't thing. Yeah. And, and he proves that to you when he comes back out and his yeah. fucking yeah. tires pop and yeah. he makes this nigga. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're trying to. They're trying to alpha him. They're trying to like. He was like, yo, y'all trying to bulldog me. Cool. Let's do it then. Who gonna come save y'all? Like y'all don't told me three different times that the dude that really leads this shit ain't here. Come on. Let's go. Who's in charge here? Your man's exactly. rode away on a horse 45 minutes ago. Yeah. What's up? Who, your yeah. number two? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. So your man's rode away number on a horse. Number three here, 45 minutes. Like, number three, you're right here. Well, to me, that mouth. was like, just like a commentary. Yeah. Like, you know, technically, that guy's a baby boomer, and he's like greatest generation. Yes. Like, Cliff Booth. And so it's like, you know, it's but it's even more punctuated with the whole, like, Yes, uh, it's generational. It's a generational. It's like, a generational. You know, like uh, lack of the younger generation right, always lack of, lack of respect, respect. You know, like wants to do silly, goofy stuff, stuff. and hurts people's property. And then, and then the older generation is like, just like, okay, okay. 
Now Here are the consequences. Now, right. now we're doing the mandate. Yeah. We, are, we yeah. already passed that. Fix it. Yeah. Y'all, y'all <laughs> figure it out. Like, yeah. Now you got a problem on your hands. Yeah. Yeah. Now you got exactly. a problem. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Y'all could have just booed me. I would have just left. Yep. Like, I made a social faux pas. Not really. But, mm-hmm. sure, I made a mistake. I just wanted just to see joke. my friend. And you guys were being all weird and shit about it. But, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And now you're, you know, oh, I'm, I'm, I suck. I could have just left. I could have just drove away. Nah, you put a knife in my tire. You, you okay. popped my tire, bro. Let's <laughs> let's talk about it. Exactly. Talk about it. Exactly. What when he says, do? take one step further and I'll, I'll knock, knock his teeth Yeah, and what, and, what, and what made it even better is because that that's smart. Because he knew he could just knock all of them out if yeah. they approached well, him. At the end of the movie, like, they come back across each other again, right? Like at the end. Don't tell that to Gary. Yeah. But <laughs> they would have whipped up on Yo, he got the whip wop. Goddamn. Um, he got the whip. Shout out to Force. That was the best part. Oh, man. But <laughs> at the end of the movie. I don't know if Force can handle this movie. They come back. Yeah, he can. They come back across each other and they stand like in the same room, right? And yeah. they realize who each other are yeah. and, and they laugh for like literally yeah, four not, minutes of yeah, movie time. Like, like that. Like, I yeah. told you, there's a lot of stuff that needs to get pulled out. You yeah. can pull out some Sharon Tate scenes and let them still laugh at each other. Right. Because that was masterful filmmaking. They, yeah. like, yeah. literally stand across from each other yeah. with the ability <laughs> to kill each other. on like like, And they know who each other are, but they yeah. tripping so hard. Yeah. They're like, oh, it's this motherfucker? <laughs> Holy shit. He's like, like, your yeah. name was... Rex yeah, or something. Man. Like, and that's, He's like, I'm the devil, and I'm come to do the devil's work. He's like, nah, it was something dumber. Than <laughs> it was something <laughs> dumber than that. Like, and that's so good. Like, yeah. I was like, Brad Pitt, you yeah, killed yeah, yeah. Like, I yeah, was yeah. loving Brad Pitt's yeah. character. Cliff Booth was my man. Yeah, yeah. Cliff Booth was the, the he was the dude, the, he was the top dude. of the movie. So, so um, yeah. All right, so we we broke Star it down. Star screams SJ. Star screams SJ. Yeah, yeah. So, I'll go first. Yeah. So. Um, this conversation actually kind of changed my perspective on the movie, as you probably yeah. heard from the episode. Um, but Quentin Tarantino yeah. tends to do these things, yeah, he's man. Still doing so, like, yeah. I'm going to go see it again. I, yeah. I, the first time I watched it, you know, I I picked up the clues and all of that stuff uh, mm-hmm. as the movie went along. But the, the point I was trying to make earlier is that, that that's not, like, easily accessible to people who don't watch film people who don't know how to take an art like you know what i'm saying that's why they always say explosions and and sex are the way to the pocket mm-hmm. you know because that's what we understand sex and violence. those those yeah sex and violence those are the things that we see you know what i'm saying those yeah. are the things like oh shit he got punched in the face he ble-. you know what i'm saying not he sat there with a little girl and you know he, he got emotional or she shows you what it's like to be a young actress in hollywood and stuff like that and so those are the things we garner from this conversation um and as far as my first viewing um I, it, it's just it's just too much that doesn't need to be there in my opinion uh, in this movie mm. a lot of the sharon tate scenes like I get he was trying to express how important that was for what happened with the Manson killings and, you know, how important Polanski was to the industry at the time, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, there's multiple scenes that can go away that deal with Sharon Tate. The scene where she walks up to the movie theater and sees her name on the posters and all of that shit and talks to the yes that's deleted scenes my nigga that's 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 on the dvd like she talks to the fucking clerk at the front and buy and like ask can she get a free ticket and then the black dude come out and be like oh it's sharon tate i'm a nigga let her in you know like that shit i thought it was mexican that dude was mexican that movie man he that's black too (laughs) (laughs) and i i was as you were saying that i was thinking that too like but like 
yeah. I thought he was. He Mexican. didn't come out with the Mexican accent. He said, "Oh, it's Sharon." Because hey, he's ma'am. in L.A. and yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He said, "Hey, ma'am, you could come on right on in. Yeah. You know, come on right yeah. on in here." And so I'm light skinned. So yep. I, some people have thought I'm Puerto Rican. So yep. black dude. Uh, in this instance, that scene. Cut that shit out. Throw that shit all the way away. Like, there's multiple scenes like this in the movie where Quentin Tarantino can shoot a good scene. We just talked about how Ari Oster can shoot a good scene. You know what I'm saying? Like, with Quentin Tarantino at this point, he's so established and so qualified, he's just jerking himself off, man. Like, these don't need to be in the movie. This could have been a two-hour movie and been way better. And so, due to that, I'm going to give it... I'm going to give it three and a half SJs. Mm. Um, and as far as star screams go, Quentin Tarantino, man, like he don't do nothing where you can sit there and be like, it's terrible. Like, this is bad. I pulled this bad stuff out of it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So like on the bad end of the spectrum, like I don't think anything I saw was bad. It's well shot. It's well acted. It's well done. It's artistically merited. Like everything about the movie is valid. Mm. Um, but it's just not as good as it could be. And so I'm going to give it, I don't think it's ever been done, but 0.75 star screams. And like that's that. just because he could have tried to do more to either edit the film or make the scenes he added more pleasing or more uh, culpable to the story. Um, yeah. yeah. I like it. Yeah. I want to just, I want to take that, but. <laughs> you want me to go? I'll go and you can just finish okay, it. All right, uh, essentially, I want to just give it a, a four and one quarter uh, SJs. Essentially, like just or maybe four and a half. Something in that range. Essentially, four and a half. Four and one thirds. I don't know. But uh, of SJs. I really, really liked it. Um, really. I really liked it. Uh, everything uh, Catalyst is saying, I agree with in terms of problems of like cut it down. But that's all filmmakers in the last like 15 years. Anybody who gets established as a filmmaker is allowed to like not have an editor in their films. They essentially get free reign to like almost have these masturbatory. Yeah, if you have a, if you have a successful career. movie career as a director, you get to have your. If it's I'm not looking at you, PT Anderson. If it's not, if it's not, uh, uh, does that make it better though? No, no, not at all, not at all. I'm just saying it's um, they're all doing it, but. Not not at all. So uh, I'm gonna give it like one and one quarter uh, star screams. Um, essentially, like it, it would cut cut some stuff out. Would have been better. Uh, a little more succinct uh, story because it was just a date in life. And then like he spoiled me. He he spoiled me over the last twenty years. Everything. Twenty five years. Huh? I still yeah, remember he, seeing Kill Bill after school when I was yeah, thirteen. So he's he's, he's made his life. films. His made will like have been. Uh, point A to B to C and like you know so like because so he wants to upgrade to this you know very new nuanced way of telling a story cool and I think he did a good job but it also comes with some uh, egg cracking you know I think it comes with some uh, you know it's a cost some cost yeah. so yeah, for sure uh, we'll get into it in a little bit about our ranking of all his movies of all time but I still liked it so I give it four and a, like a quarter and one and a quarter for bad Okay, uh, I'll just jump right in. This is your boy Double Black. Um, I gave it four SJs, and again, if you're tuning in, 
SJs are positives uh, and uh, star screams are negative. So if we give things, if you like it, you give it lots of positives. And then uh, if you don't like it, you give it negative, which is star screams. And I think screams. we haven't explained why we do that mm. well enough. And it's because no one thing artistically can be terrible or good there's always redeemable qualities about something bad or there's always something bad, bad qualities about something, something good yeah, exactly. and so we don't ever want to constrict something to being good or bad and we yeah. tell what we like about it and what we don't like about it mm-hmm. and, and we that's where different the rating ratings is. for both of us and that's why yeah, the, the rating yeah, system is, that's is a good why point. it is um so i don't think we talk enough about that and i agree fans, with that if that's what you needed to understand it i'm glad i did it yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I like this film a lot. I gave it four SJs. Um, I think the acting is superb. It's one of the most well-acted films I've seen in a long time, uh, with Leonardo DiCaprio and Margot Robbie and Brad Pitt like leading the cast. So I love the acting in this film, and I love the homage to old Hollywood that Tarantino is doing. I love the fact that it's all like you know he shut down I think the 101 in California f- to, for like you know, hours at a time to shoot these scenes with Brad Pitt just driving around in a car. There's little to no green screen. It's all really affects the billboards, the the, the, the bench signs, the, uh, the cars themselves, you know, hundreds of vintage cars from that time period. Just like really made you feel like all the, the Taco Bells, the restaurants, the, the old, like all those things like made you really feel like you were back there. So I would say that all that led to like a really good uh, feeling of nostalgia even for a time that I wasn't even alive or experienced but just like you know it's really refreshing to see that you know in the age of all the digital s- media that's made um, and you know just no disrespect to the digital stuff um, and I would give it two SJs or two star screams because it was a bit on the long side for me and it was kind of like you know winding its way and a little bit too um, self-indulgent at times I think ever I can't remember the woman's name no disrespect but ever since Quentin Tarantino, uh, about seven or eight years ago, I think at this point, lost his the woman who used to edit oh. his films. She died. All right. Um, she, uh, uh, yeah. And I'll, so I forget I how she one. died, yeah. but she died, and uh, she, you know, was with him. I think since the Reservoir Dogs of Pulp Fiction, she had edited the bulk of his catalog of his career. Um, and ever since she died, I think the first movie he did without her was either Django or Inglorious Bastards. His films have seen longer and, and, and more sort of um, uh, uh, self-indulgent. And so he doesn't really have uh, someone to like pull the trigger and say, we don't need this scene, we don't need that scene. And I think it shows in his work as he's getting older. You know, older filmmakers just in general, people tend, like Laserbeam said, to like, you know, not you know pull the trigger on their stuff and tell them to like cut stuff off and um and i think it's also by the fact that you know he worked a lot with harvey weinstein and harvey weinstein was a kind of a producer that would say cut this get rid of this and so he he's lost all the people who would tell him no and say to get rid of things for one way or another so his films have gotten longer um and 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 so that you know there were I would say there was about 20 minutes he could have lost out of this film. I wouldn't say the Sharon Tate stuff because, you know, we can't, I can't talk about this film without talking about some of the controversy surrounding it. And there's a lot of controversy from uh, a lot of uh, sort of feminists saying that this film oh. d- does a lot of disservice to women because Sharon Tate doesn't really do anything. She's like an epiphoral sort of pixie character. But, but taking out scenes where she doesn't do anything, mm-hmm. would, would that not help? Well, I mean, there was one <laughs> case where a woman counted up all the scenes and lines she had and said, like, Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio had more, 
and then so if you're cutting more out then there's even more for oh he's just saying cut her out <laughs> no, no 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 I'm just yeah. saying like cut this scene like so you, you just said that, that like they're saying she doesn't do anything there's multiple integral scenes where she actually makes the story go forward yeah. like there's the scene where she sits in the office and talks about Polanski and all of that stuff mm-hmm. and like like why he's not around like that I, I'm not sure about the like huge details but mm-hmm. there is a scene where she sits and she talks to somebody about that like that's valid like yeah. that's cool but like for her to walk up and see her name on a poster you know what yeah. i'm saying and like i'm like, just that's saying just adding I'm just, extra lines i'm, I'm like, just saying that you know there were if you did that there would like be this. even less it, it i like be, parts of it, it would, i think you it need would to be edit even that scene but not yeah. cut the whole the thing way. out yeah, yeah, yeah okay thing. but like and so um yeah. so it's just interesting because there is this controversy surrounding the film about how mm. you know women are portrayed in his movies in particular this movie in which i disagree with because he made kill bill i disagree as well you know which is a very strong female film yeah, exactly. uh, it's one of the film. first like a lot of true his films, female protagonists yeah a lot of his films have strong female leads like Inglorious uh, Bastards Jackie Brown as well Jackie, Jackie Brown. Brown yeah and so but anyway we'll get into like you know yeah. judging his films in a minute but I would also say um, that it's uh, it's telling that you know you have the top two or conceivably two of the top biggest Hollywood names Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio headlining a Quentin Tarantino movie and they can't beat a digital remake of a cartoon you saw 20 years ago. Like, Ridiculous, that, 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 America. Lion King, Lion well, King was America, still number one, and I, it's been out. So I it didn't just, see Lion King, but I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So. But I'm just saying, like, the changing sort of metrics of the masses of that. And that movie been out, what, two weeks? One and week. Then, one week, and then it's, like, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood still can't beat it, and it's just it just goes to show what people want. And it's, it's I mean, it's to your point. I'm making a point to your point, yeah, Catalyst, yeah, of yeah. just, like, you know, you know, uh, what people want aren't necessarily what Quentin Tarantino is delivering in terms of his aesthetic and, you know, the way he, like you said, sex and violence sells. You know, Lion King isn't necessarily sex and violence, but it's a different type of just kind of opiate filmmaking uh, uh, that is just, you know, pretty... It's violent. You know, there is violence, but but it's like digital... (laughs) Especially the remake. I've seen the remake. Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen it. Maybe there is violence in it. There's a lot more violence. Okay. So it's it's more like um you know but it's a commentary on the fact that his films are kind of fading into the past in terms of what audiences really really want at least at this moment in time. So anyway, all right, uh, that's that's your boy Double Black. All right, now we're, so, now we're gonna do something special. Yeah, you saw how we felt about his newest film, um, and so just to kind of do something we don't typically do, we normally say begin podcast out at this point, um, but we're gonna kind of rank our you know best quentin tarantino films we're not going to constrict it to a number because all of us haven't seen the films and stuff like that but we're just going to talk about how we hold them in order mm-hmm. um and so just because uh you know i think double black has the most insight probably uh laser beam too but i'm gonna let him go first if you, if you uh with that. yeah that's cool uh i'm just gonna do my top five um, okay and do like one honorable mention yeah i uh, think that's probably reason yeah let's do yeah, that let's yeah do that. i'm gonna that's do reason. my top five uh, number five is Reservoir Dogs. His, his, it's you know his seminal film. It's his film that started him off. It's you know it's a great film uh, about a bank heist and the dialogue, the screenplay he wrote, the dialogue in that is amazing. The acting is amazing. And this film basically takes place in one location. It's all shot in a warehouse for the most part. There's a couple scenes in a diner and like one or two scenes in a car, um, but for the most part, it all takes place in this one 
warehouse and Harvey Keitel, Tim Roth at the beginning of his career, Steve Buscemi at the beginning of his career, Michael Madsen, Michael Madsen, like at the beginning, uh, of, his at the beginning of his career, <laughs> like the, the in films from 1992. <laughs> it's it's an amazing film. Definitely check it out. Hyper violent, but it really set the tone for what Tarantino was trying to do. Um, I still remember some of that dialogue from that movie and 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 quote it quite often. Uh, number four is Inglorious Bastards. Uh, I really loved you know and going on what happened once upon a time in Hollywood I'm really starting to like his alternate takes on history the the hook of Inglorious Bastards is that you know his team of Nazi hunters kills uh, Hitler much like in once upon a time in, in Hollywood Brad Pitt's character kills the uh, and Leonardo DiCaprio they, they kill the Manson family people and so I really liked Inglorious Bastards a lot there were some problems I had with I wish they focused a little bit more on the bastards um, in the film but you know overall like it introduced the world to uh Hans Landa, played by Christoph Waltz. Like, Christoph Waltz is a great uh, actor, and we got him through this movie, basically, and Hans Landa is one of the best bad guys of all time. Um, and so, and again, the dialogue the and, and sort of like the character uh, sort of trajectory for certain characters in the film is, is really, really well done, especially uh, Soshana. Uh, I really liked her as a character. She went from this meek, weak kind of like victim to like, burning all these Nazis in the theater. It was a great, great scene. And so Inglourious Bastards is great. Um, Hateful Eight is now number three. Uh, I love Hateful Eight. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's a long film. It's a film I saw, uh, like this road western version of it that, uh, I forget exactly what it's called, but it was shot in 70 millimeter. It showed the extended version and had an intermission, like old school times. And it was, uh, it was to me, it was some of Sam Jackson's best acting he's ever done. But it's a great ensemble cast. Again, Michael Madsen's in it, Tim Roth. Zoe Bell has a small part in it. Uh, he, you know, he really kills it. Um, and it's the only movie where you see Channing Tatum's head get blown off, which I love because I don't like Channing Tatum, so that was really good. Take uh, that. Kurt Russell was great in it. Uh, what's, is it uh, what's the woman who, who they... Who's the bad woman at the end? I can't remember the actress's name, but um, don't worry about it. Um, so like those things were really <laughs> great, uh, and um, and it, for me it was it was about how evil you can use one form of evil to c defeat another form of evil. Like these two guys who hate each other, and one was extremely racist against the black character, and it's a black and white character team up to defeat something that's worse than them. They're former Civil War, yeah, uh, the adversaries, yeah. Adversaries. And one was a Confederate, one was a Union, one's white, one's black. And so it really, uh, and they, but they overcome their animosity to defeat something worse. This woman who's just a murderous, you know, killer and leader of a, a, a gang of killers. Number two is Django Unchained. Uh, I love Django. Django just completely is one of my favorite Quentin Tarantino movies. Uh, it's probably my top 50 movies of all time, I would say. Of You know, I've seen thousands of movies at this point, and uh, it's definitely in the top 10% of movies I've ever watched. Um, it's a you know he did he set out to do something that I wish a lot of other filmmakers, particularly African American filmmakers, would do is create a um, black super a black superhero kind of story you know a folk hero. Um, yeah. I'm hoping that they'll one day do the John Henry story until you know some of these other cowboy stories from that time period to you know Stagger Lee all these other interesting characters from black folklore that you know haven't got a chance to shine yet in cinema in any recent modern way. And so, but Django is a really cool character. You know he goes from a slave who's basically has the mind of a child to a man to a Superman uh, character uh, as a bounty hunter, and then later, later, uh, sort of freer of slaves, um, and 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 fighting back and and getting revenge on the people who's wronged him, um, including Sam Jackson playing a really terrible, terrible slave 
who uh, is is in cahoots and in league with Leonardo DiCaprio's evil uh, leader of the um, uh, the owner of the plantation. So Django, Coonery. yeah, Jane, yeah, he's straight coon. <laughs> Sam Jackson's character Stephen is a straight coon. But again, uh, Christoph Waltz plays his mentor. So Christoph Waltz is back. He's an amazing actor. Uh, there's really good stuff with the clan in there and uh, all the characters. So. Uh, on my honorable mention is Death Proof. Uh, I love the first half of Death Proof. Hate the second half of Death Proof. I'll just leave it at that. Um, and then my f- number one of all time is Kill Bill because I love Kill Bill Volume One. Kill Bill Volume Two is not my favorite, but I love Kill Bill Volume One because of the just hyper violence and the amazing storytelling and the different types of storytelling. There's an animated story in, in the middle of it to tell the, the history of one character. The music is amazing. It's the score done by the RZA. Uh, I still listen to that soundtrack to this day. Um, and The Bride is an amazing, amazing character set on one specific purpose. He's like a Terminator with this one purpose of revenge. Um, but the story gets more complicated and she figures out, you know, different layers of what's happened. And it's this really cool ensemble of female assassins. Uh, and it's one of David Carradine's last roles. And he's one of my favorite actors from back in the day. So Kill Bill, like, you know, I, I love my female heroes. And Kill Bill, like, gave us one of my favorite of all time with The Bride. So. You know, any woman who can defeat Oren Ishii and the Crazy 88 motherfuckers is, you know, going to be top of my game. So that's your boy, Double Black. Laser Beam, what's up? Well, I'll just hit you with, um, uh, I'll just go through a little uh, quicker. Uh, Jackie Brown's my number five. Uh, solid, great movie. I know most people haven't seen it. Go check it out. Um, it's a very underrated film for uh, Quentin Tarantino. Uh, stars a black woman as a protagonist. That's very you know and it's not just about her being a black woman uh mm-hmm. yeah exactly. that's almost unheard of as a film <laughs> like like i'm living my life as a black lady mm-hmm. that's the whole character of it most black uh protagonist female movies like uh jackie brown is not that and it's very interesting and uh, uh when i was very young and dumb i didn't like it as i matured and saw what was going on i thought it was very very good um uh number four inglorious bastards everything a double black set so uh it's great stuff and killing nazis is always great uh at me uh white nationalist um uh don't, don't at me <laughs> fuck em. <laughs> fuck em. fuck them and anyone who look <laughs> like them white nationalists fuck <laughs> i don't give a shit this is, we're drawing lines we're drawing lines um and we're gonna keep doing it number three jank on chain just like again like double black said all the stuff he said again killing confederates uh, and slave, uh, slave owners always great. Fuck them. <laughs> like fuck all slave owners. owners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing about Nazis and Confederates. They're both losers. They lost. <laughs> they lost. You, you lost your wars. Exactly. So you, if you carry those flags, you lost. You carry flags loser of losers. Exactly. They're fucking lost. Both to the United States of America. Yeah. Fuck them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, USA. 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 <laughs> uh, so Django, great black superhero, fantastic. Um, his yeah, exactly a thing that gets lost because everybody loves Christoph Waltz and Leo DiCaprio in that movie. They're great, fantastic, obviously. Uh, uh, Jamie Fox was also amazing in that. He was amazing. He went from true, true. Uh, if you actually uh, pay attention to his character, his character has the most growth in probably any uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino movie of all time. He goes from exactly like uh, almost a childlike uh, slave uh, to essentially a superhero. He's like suave as hell he's like james bond like by the end of it he's the best gun you know fastest gun in the south you know it's he's he's phenomenal he's a phenomenal character true so uh kill bill volume one is my second pick is my number two pick 
again, everything <laughs> Double Black Sad, it's great. I love Kill Bill Volume 1. Uh, the music, this is where music, uh, the sound, the sound effects in that movie, like, stand out. So when you say stuff like other movies, I'm like, man, I didn't know the sound stuff. But in, in Kill Bill 1, sound stuff was, was on point. When old girl is swinging that chain, the sound effects that are happening, <laughs> Oh, yeah. like, go, 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 go is like swinging those chains. Yeah. Like the sound effects when people get stabbed. Yeah. And it scene yeah. goes black, all black and white. And the music, uh, everything, like the the edit. Yeah, what I, I I lost my mind when that move, movie went to uh, animate it. It was the best. It's like the second best anime that ever exists to me. Uh, Ninja Scrolls, number one. And then uh, Oren Ishii's uh, backstory. backstory is the second best anime thing I've ever seen in my life true uh exactly all this other stuff is is meh <laughs> um and so uh because it has a character with an arc uh and so it's just uh an amazing film and then pulp fiction is my number one uh and that wasn't on double blacks so i'll go on. pulp fiction is i think one of the i i know it's what it's probably the standard gold standard answer for quentin tarantino but i I, I'm one of the people that's making that happen. I think it's exactly a reason why it's the gold standard for his films. Um, I, I think it, the dialogue is impeccable. I think it's one of the most quotable films of all time. I think. And that, so, I mean, those are just things I like. Those things, like I've said earlier, all the time, things I'm into, the characters. There's multiple characters who are fantastic. So, I'll, um, so you can do more than just one character. <laughs> There's a bunch of characters who are very well developed and have very different motivations and are and it's all interwoven with each other and they're doing multiple things and uh, I think and lots of characters go through growth in lots of different ways um, you know doing different things um, yeah, I think it's an amazing uh, film it's one of my top 10 films period uh, by far I think uh, and uh, and it for uh, shock and, and, and all it's a, an amazing film honorable mention i'll honor uh eh, reservoir dogs is uh my honorable mention because uh i thought it was real cool uh back in the day word up <laughs> so i'm gonna make it even faster than laser yeah, beam yeah, i'm sorry. coming in i'm rolling <laughs> off here so uh my top five uh is number five in glorious bastards for all the reasons that Laser Beam and Double Black have already said, it's cool to kill Nazis. Nazis suck. And that movie <laughs> just sent a great message to people, and it did it in an artistic manner. Number mm. four, Kill Bill Volume 2. Nobody said that yet. Mm, um, nope. And everybody's trying to hold them as, like, singular movies. But I think Kill Bill Volume 2 is important because uh, it, it, it showed us just exactly why the bride needed to kill Bill. Mm-hmm. Like, the first movie just lets you know, like, he, he, like, he, deserved, you know, yeah, he deserved it. Like, uh, at the end of the day, he tried to murder his pregnant girl. But, like, still, yeah, it showed, like, the detail into mm -hmm. which he sent people for her. And so uh, I think that was huge. Um, Kill Bill Volume 2 just, like, kind of ended a story for me that was, like, very important. And you'll see at the end of this list why it's so important. Um, number three for me is Django Unchained. Um, and not necessarily because... You know, I thought it was this great undertaking of, like, film or any of that. But there's a scene at the end where he kills, like, what, 50 yeah. white folks? <laughs> like, yeah. 50, slave 50, dudes. Yeah. 50 slave dudes. That right there is one of the best movies ever. Because that's never been done on film. And yeah. a white man did it. So the testament to that is huge. Um, 
on top of that, it tells a very, very compelling story about uh, something that people try to belittle. Um, so Django Unchained, number three. Um, number two for me, Pulp Fiction. And all the stuff Laser Beam said about Pulp Fiction is factual, but at the same time, I was a little younger, and it was like my first foray into the shit I wasn't supposed to be watching. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it, it, it just taught me a lot about what society really is and what culture really is because – you know, it, p- parenting is a big thing, and you should always be the most, you know, uh, concerned and guiding parent you can always be. But, man, you can't hide shit from your kids forever. Yeah, yeah, you know forever. what I'm saying? And nope. I guarantee you my mother wasn't expecting me to watch Pulp Fiction at the age of eight or nine. Yeah. But I did. You know what I'm saying? And then after that, she just kind of understood my mind was somewhere else, which is why Training Day is also one of the most influential films for me. Nothing to do with Quentin Tarantino, but probably a movie I shouldn't have watched at the age of 13 and yeah. um, art is art so if your kids understand you just gotta understand your children um, so that's why that's so big for me and number one is the first volume of Kill Bill Whoa. Kill Bill volume one uh, I saw that movie like seven times in theaters and I'm not yeah. bullshitting like I used to get out of school at 12.30 on Wednesdays um, and our like middle school ritual was to go to the Union Station and watch movies cause we rode the Metro home and our parents wouldn't be off work till 5 anyway so I saw Kill Bill, How High, <laughs> and like Eight Mile like in rapid succession many times over and over again. And all those movies came out relatively around the same time. Um, yeah. So um, those movies are hugely influential, influential for me. And one of the big things is um, the, the video game style character, I guess, approach. Because there's five different people that she has to go across to kill. Yeah. And it's the definition of playing a video game. Yep. You got to get through these five bosses before mm-hmm. you get to the main yep. dude. Yep. You know what yep. I'm saying? And I was hugely infatuated with video games at the time. I still and am, as you list. know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And she makes a list <laughs> of them <laughs> niggas. Like, it's like pushing the fucking start button <laughs> in a video game. Um, and yeah, so man. all of the, the, the action, the art, making. the chapter yeah. filmmaking, all of that stuff yeah. uh, is testament to playing a video game mm-hmm. um, with old school kung fu and anime influences in it so it's it's nerd heaven like Mm -hmm. it it taught me that being a nerd doesn't necessarily have to be something where you're outcasted from society nerd culture is what people accept Mm -hmm. and kill bill taught me that so kill bill is my number one uh honorable mention man i'm gonna probably have to say uh it's gonna go to jackie brown um jackie brown is just a great movie also i love pam greer Pamela uh, Greer is Jackie Brown. And so <laughs> if I can do anything to shout out Pam Greer, I'm going to do it. And all these other movies don't resonate with me huge. So uh, Jackie Brown, honorable mention. Laser Beam. I just want to hit uh, with the last thing. Uh, so, so we have it on the list since we're talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Where does that rank in your list of his movies? It's, For me, it's number nine. He has ten movies. It's, it's number nine. It's number eight, and it's only because I haven't seen Reservoir Dogs, and okay. I really don't like The Hateful Eight. Okay, so it's underneath it. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah, death, it's number nine for me. Number as nine. Well. Death Proof is at the bottom for me. Uh, yeah. That's number death, ten. Death, death Proof is uh, under there too. Death okay. Proof is. It, it, I'd have to think about it more between Death Proof. It's they're nine and ten. If okay. You, if we're going with he has ten movies, 
Death Proof and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood Nine. Yeah, but I'll, even a bad Quentin Tarantino movie is better. better. Than All ten of them are better than almost <laughs> films. Most films. Most films. films. The fact that we sitting here even yeah. talking about how good they are in order yeah, exactly. uh, says it. So, yeah. uh, so let us know how you feel about Quentin Tarantino. If you hate him, I want to know. If you love him, I want to know. If you like the episode, I want to know. Like, comment, subscribe, tell share. your friends, share. share this shit. Be on social media. We love y'all. Begin we podcast. Instagram. We on Instagram now. Out.